It's the year of the super senior, with the NCAA's blanket waiver allowing all 2020 fall sports seniors to return in 2021, which teams stand to benefit the most? We'll discuss it next. I'm Jay Smith, and this is After Further Review. And now, after further review, a Clemson student's perspective on sports. And the personal foul on number 99 of the defense. After he tackled the quarterback, he's giving them business down there. That's a 15 yard penalty. Well, welcome in, everyone. I'm Jay Smith, and yes, this is After Further Review. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. Sorry about no show last week. I know we took a week off. Uh, I had some some stuff for school and work that, that got me busy, and I just wasn't able to get around to an episode. Uh, but so I, I apologize. Uh, but we're back, and we've got a, uh, a really good topic for this week's show. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is this is actually a show that I I, I wanted to to do several weeks ago, but needed to spend a little bit more time digging around, doing some research, and and making sure that I was um, you know fully educated on, on, on this topic so that uh, I'd be able to, you know, kind of speak intelligently on it and, and articulate my thoughts. And uh, this, because, you know, it's such a unique situation. And as I said, right in the intro, it's it's the year of the super senior. Um, obviously, we all remember uh, back in uh, the, the fall of, of last year, I think it was in August, the NCAA um, issued a blanket waiver uh, basically, it, it, it froze eligibility uh, last year. I mean, player eligibility was, was frozen in 2020, so it gave seniors a chance uh, to return for you know a full and, and, and what we hope to be normal final season on campus in 2021. Now, that applied to uh, all fall sports seniors. Uh, it's my understanding that that applied beyond just football, and it was it was a blanket waiver to any uh, athletes who were seniors in the fall of 2020. Uh, they were going to be granted an additional year of eligibility, and I think you know at the time it was it was certainly uh, the right move, just with uh, the, um, the uncertainty of COVID and how it had an effect on everything. Right, we had conferences starting play at at different you know uh, different weeks. I mean. <clears throat> Whether it was the ACC or the SEC or the, or the Pac-12, uh, we had canceled games. We had bowl matchups that were shifted to different locations, and there was just so much uncertainty to, on a, from a week-to-week basis that at, you know, back in again August, the NCAA issuing that blanket waiver, I think, was the appropriate move. And um, you know, according to some reports, I, I saw one from the Associated Press. Uh, they've compiled a list and of the 129. FBS schools so far, uh, 1,049 players. So over a thousand players have taken advantage of that eligibility freeze and have decided to return for a you know super senior year in the fall of 2021. So again, all that kind of contextual information is to, is to set up this discussion about what impact will super seniors have on college football specifically what uh, what you know will um will these teams that are returning you know the vast majority of their offensive production uh look like you know or or, or the guys on defense that are the standouts i mean what are these what are these teams going to look like 
And will that additional year experience and everything, uh, will it will it benefit them and kind of get a few teams over the hump? And we're going to talk about, uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about specific teams that really stand to benefit and that, you know, could possibly break into uh, some college football playoff discussion. There's, there's certainly some teams that um, will benefit heavily from this. And again, we're going to we're gonna in, get into that uh, a, a, little bit, um, a little bit later in the show. But, you know, again, uh, the number right now is, is 1,000. I'm sorry, it wasn't 1,040, not 1,040. No, it's 1,040 uh, seniors have opted to return for that additional year of eligibility. And, um, you know, that number is, is I, would, I would imagine, it's going to drop a little bit uh, as players kind of leave school after graduation in May, and they assess their place on the roster after spring practices. I mean, I don't think it's going to stay as high as what it is now, uh, but it's still noteworthy because of how many players decided to take advantage of the opportunity. Um, yeah, this is a, it's really unprecedented in terms of having this many super seniors within the sport uh, in the same season. You know, it's, it's uh it's gonna be the fifth and, and even sixth year for some of these guys. And even I think there's actually a few seventh year seniors. Um so you know, there there's certainly gonna be uh I think some differences in college football this fall because some of these teams are gonna have more experience on the roster than they've possibly ever had before. And and that and that's and that's noteworthy. That's something that uh, you certainly have to acknowledge <clears throat> and, um, and, and, you know, and take into consideration whether that's your, you know, if you're the opposing po- coach and you're developing a game plan or, you know, you have more film to review. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, um, of tweaks now that are going to be made to the game because of these uh, super, super seniors. So let's talk a little bit about the, the production uh, numbers for a lot of these teams in terms of who's returning, what kind of talent is returning. Um, there's a metric that, that measures, uh, you know, returning production for a college football roster. Like who, you know, so the season is over. Some guys declare for the draft or they graduate, they leave the team, whatever. What percentage of their production is returning? That's a, that's a metric that's measured every year. Um, normally it's around 54%. That's about average this year. It's a good bit higher. It's 62%. So on average across college football, we're seeing 62% of a team's production returning. And again, it may not sound like a lot. It's just, oh, it's what eight to 10 points higher, but it actually can have a huge impact on not not only a team's ability to you know move the ball, score, uh, all that's all that sort of stuff, but but just you know game experience, managing tough situations, you know knowing how to respond to momentum swings. I mean, again, the longer you do something, the better you should get at it. And so you know this experience for these fifth, sixth, seventh year seniors is really going to, I think, play a critical role in a lot of, of games um, this season. Now, the, the team out there who has the most returning production is, uh, is Louisiana. Uh, these, these guys, the Raging Cajuns, were the uh, co-champions of the Sun Belt last season, 
and they return uh, 96% of their production from 2020, um, which is just, again, hard to even, I mean, that's, that's everyone. <laughs> that's just basically the same, it's the same team. You know, we've, we've heard for so many years, every college coach reiterates this every spring. He says, listen, you know, this is a new team. This is a, this is a different team. It's a different roster. <laughs> well, if you're the Raging Cajuns down in Louisiana, it's not. It's the same team. It's not ninety eight percent of your offensive production is back. Ninety eight percent, ninety six percent total. Um, you know their quarterback, uh, Levi Lewis is back. What a name! How about that name, Levi Lewis? Their quarterback, Levi Lewis, is returning. Every receiver. On their uh, on their death chart is is coming back, and the entire starting offensive line. Your offense is back. They didn't they didn't leave. It's the same offense. So you've got to think for for Louisiana again, the co champions of the Sun Belt last year. You you got to be coming to this season confident. You you've basically your entire team is is back in terms of production, and you've got a whole year of experience together. And so now. You should really be able to hit your stride. So again, these things do matter. Now Louisiana's on the high end of the scale, right? They're at the they're actually the number one mark in the country in terms of returning production at ninety six percent. But they only have nine super seniors, so that, so it's not like it's their entire offensive or defensive roster. It's it's just nine guys. Um, now. You might be thinking, okay, well, which program out there has the most returning super seniors? Uh, and that you'd have to actually go to the Big Ten. And it's a pretty under-the-radar team, and it's Illinois. Illinois leads all Power Five programs with 17 super seniors returning to the roster. But... Interestingly, they rank 62nd nationally in returning production with 70%. Still, still a higher number than uh, the average, right? Which is, I, th- I think it was 60, 62% in terms of returning. But yeah, it was 62%. Uh, they're returning 70%, and they have 17 super seniors. So, you know, you got to think for Illinois, again... It, you can compare it to Louisiana. Um, some ways are similar. Some ways they're different. Illinois obviously does have gaps, right? We've, we, we look at the number of, of 70% in terms of returning production. And you can say, okay, well, you know, clearly Illinois still has some gaps they'll need to fill and, um, and some things to figure out. But in terms of experience, they've got almost everybody beat 17 returning super seniors. And then again, on the flip side, you're looking at Louisiana and you're saying, okay, well, they only have nine guys coming back, but 96% of their production, which team would you rather be? Which, which team would you rather be uh, is, is the question. Now, I think both teams stand to benefit. Both teams stand to benefit, whether it's from a production standpoint or an experience standpoint. But it's an interesting debate. Which team would you rather be? You know, um, Illinois obviously has a much more uphill climb for the Big Ten than Louisiana does for a, for a Sun Belt title. And and Louisiana was the co-champions of the Sun Belt last year. So, you know, in this particular situation, it probably pays not to be in the Power Five. And that's really, if you go through and you look at a lot of these death charts and you, you look at who's returning, a lot of the Group of Five teams stand to benefit. 
a lot of the group of five teams stand to benefit. Now, there are some power five schools, and we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about them uh, that really are going to be in prime positioning this coming fall. Teams that were right there um, and, you know, just needed a, a few a few different things to go their way uh, or a little bit more experience here, a little bit more experience there for things to really go their way and, and then, you know, possibly make a, a big-time bowl game, New Year's Six, or even maybe squeak into the college football playoff. Because, um, again, with Illinois, you know, you're returning 17 seniors, but it was a 2-16. and 16. You know, does that translate to more success in 2021? Uh, or is that production formula a better way to kind of figure out what your what you know what your fall is going to look like? Um, so it's it's again it's an interesting discussion um, in terms of of which matters more and what's going to be more impactful. Uh, but a, an important thing to note is if you look at all the teams and who's returning the most production and everything, typically. Teams that were returning more production had shorter seasons. The Pac-12 is actually a really good example of this because the Pac-12, who they didn't start their season until what was like, it was November. It was November. The Pac-12 didn't start until November. And they have seven of the top 12 teams in that returning production um, ranking list for 2021. The Pac-12 averages 8.8 super seniors per team. So basically nine guys. Pac-12 averages nine guys that are coming back this season that are super seniors, which that leads all Power 5 conferences. In fact, if you if you really want to um, do a comparison, I can give you the numbers right now for the average number of super seniors on Power 5 teams. And again, we started at the top with the Pac-12, 8.8. So we round that up to nine. Because I don't think you can have 0.8 players. Uh, and then the ACC and the Big Ten are in a tie for second with 7.3. So basically seven guys. Uh, which, you know, that's a that's a two-man two difference between first and second. It's pretty significant. I expect it to be a little bit tighter, but pretty significant gap there. The Big 12 is just below the ACC and Big Ten in fourth with 6.9. And then the SEC, actually, is at the bottom with 6.7 in terms of the average number of super seniors. And I think that's that's significant. Uh, it's significant for, for many reasons, but, you know, the Pac-12, obviously, and I talked about this a lot last year, they didn't do themselves any favors. The, the way that they handled their, their um, scheduling, uh, and their season. Now, I, I understand that there were a lot of things that were outside of their control, you know, in terms of local and state health guidelines and, and restrictions. And, you know, there was only so much that you can really do if you're a school in California, Oregon, or Washington. I, I, I understand. Um, but, you know, they had a, a, it was almost detached from the rest of the Power Five. And that's what the Pac-12 is, unfortunately, I think, for college football. Because I don't want the Pac-12 to just not matter anymore. I mean, I think it's better when when college football is is not, you know, confined to a regional, you know, a region that dominates every... I mean, it needs to be more spread out, you know? Uh, I'm not saying, you know, I want USC or Oregon to be in the, in the playoff every year, but there, I, we haven't seen... A competitive team 
come out of that area since I hesitate to put Washington in there because they didn't do anything against Alabama in the college football playoff. You could, you could, you could put Oregon, you could put Oregon in that discussion. You could put Stanford in that discussion. Uh, it's been a long time since USC has been in there. Um, so they've had some teams, certainly, you know, the PAC 12, I, I think will rebound because it's, if it's California, it's a hotbed of talent. I mean, it's, it's was it Georgia, Florida, Texas, California, maybe not in that order, uh, I guess if you had to put it in order, it probably would be probably would be Texas, Florida, California, Georgia. Maybe I don't. I'd have to look at a recruiting board. But either way, I think the Pac-12 will rebound. Um, but you know, if they have a normal year, if this is a normal year for the Pac-12 and there's no restrictions in terms of what their schedule can look like, I'm not even going to go into stadium capacity. Um, but if they can have a normal schedule and they're returning nine guys. On average, average could be a could be a breakout year for a Pac-12 team. Maybe maybe we see a Pac-12 team make the playoff and and win an actual semifinal game. Uh, so there's listen there's there's a lot of different um, of outcomes here, and again, you know I think yeah there's there's multiple metrics you have to look at, which is what's your returning production, and then you know what is the number of guys that you're returning. Sometimes those are correlated together. And, you know, as one goes up, the other goes up, would that be a positive correlation? And then sometimes when one goes up, the other one goes down. That's a negative. Is that a negative correlation? I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm probably making myself sound less smart than I am here, but uh, either way, I think the, the point is, is that there's multiple metrics you have to look at and think about, um, if you're trying to gauge which of these teams is going to stand to benefit the most. Uh, so it's interesting discussion, but we're going to take, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're actually going to get into which teams stand to benefit. Uh, again, there's a, there's, there's several that are um, in prime position. And uh, I think they're going to have a real good chance to make a run at some big bowl games, maybe a CFP this season. That's next. Welcome back to the show. Again, thanks so much for tuning in to After Further Review. I'm Jay Smith. And, uh, boy, this is a this is an interesting... I don't know, as we've been talking about this, it's actually... Um, I've, I've been doing some some searching here while we were doing the show and, and found some interesting uh, articles that I, I wasn't able to find in my, my research I was doing earlier this week when I was planning this episode. And, um, you know, I, I think... Uh, I think, you know, numbers will change, right, as, as, as the spring moves forward, you know, graduation hits, and, you know, kids see where they are on the roster after spring practice, you know, maybe that number of, what was it, we said 1,040 uh, kids have come back to be super seniors, you know, maybe that number goes down a little bit, um, but still, as it stands now, let's, let's go into a discussion here on, on what teams uh, really can benefit from this, this super senior, um, you know, blanket waiver that the NCAA provided back in August. Uh, the first team I'm going to, I'm going to bring up here is I personally, I think it's, I think it's the most obvious, uh, pick and I've, I've been kind of hinting at them the whole show. And if you've listened to the past few episodes, you probably know who I'm talking about, but if I was being too cryptic, I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you it's, it's Iowa state. It's Iowa state. Uh, the Cyclones were, well, they were so close. They were so close to dethroning Oklahoma last year. 
and beat them in the regular season, lost to them in the Big 12 championship. And it was really, you know, it was it, it was hard. It was hard for, for Matt Campbell and, and the rest of his Cyclone team because I think they felt like that was their year. I think they felt like the program, you know, the, the school, the community, I think they felt like, you know, we're, we're finally moving in the right direction. Um, and we're, we're building a good culture here, a good program. We're, we're becoming consistent. We're competing. We're competing consistently. That's probably the most important thing you can do is we're competing consistently. And it just wasn't their night. It just wasn't their night when, uh, when they had to play Oklahoma for the second time that season and they lost the Big 12 championship. Um, now uh, this, this is a quote here from Matt Campbell when he was asked about, you know, what are are your thoughts on the super seniors and how it's going to affect your team in the fall. And he said, you know, that he, he wasn't trying to pitch players on, you know, you stay at Iowa state and, you know, we'll, we'll keep going or whatever. He just said, um, you know, we, we hope guys decide to come back. Um, but you need to, you know, per, you know, for each individual player that y'all need to make the best decision for you. Um, and, you, you know, listen, you can come back and there's nothing guaranteed. You go out to practice and get an injury and you're over. You know, it's, it's, it's over. Um, but he did say, and this is a direct quote here, we'll always be better at Iowa State the older we are as a football team. I, I think you can remove Iowa State from that sentence. You can put any other team in the country in place of it, and it's, 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 it applies. It's, it's totally accurate. We'll always be better at blank the older we are as a football team. I mean, where does how does that not apply to any other school? So that's that's where Matt Campbell was at. And uh, fortunately for the Cyclones, a lot of their key players decided to 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 come back and play in, in 2021. Um, they retained several guys that, that probably could have gone to the uh, to the draft. Um, their quarterback Brock Purdy, tight end Charlie Kohler, and linebacker uh, Mike Rose, who actually was the 2020 Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, um, you know, and, and again, those guys were juniors. Okay, those guys were juniors, and they were they were draft eligible, um, but they also have that group of, you know, the super seniors who are going to play their fifth and or sixth season in the fall, and uh, you know, they're coming off Iowa State. They're coming off their First Big 12 championship game appearance and their highest AP poll finish at number nine, um, you know, from from last season, right? Coming coming into this year. And I, I really feel like Matt Campbell understands the opportunity this fall is to achieve a, a once unthinkable goal at Iowa State in Ames, right? It's, we, we could make a college football playoff. We could we could make, not only could we make a college football playoff, we could compete in a college football playoff. I really I really believe that. I really think Iowa State um, is going to do what Oklahoma has not, and that is actually win a college football playoff semifinal game. Now, will it happen this year? It's tough to say. There are still. Some things that are not out, you know, they're outside of Iowa State's control. Now, Iowa State coming into the year, they know they win all their games, they're going to be in the driver's seat. But very few teams achieve that, even the teams that are stacked with talent, uh, seniors or not. And so, 
you know, realistically, there's still going to have to be a few breaks along the way for the Cyclones to get an opportunity to, to make it into a college football playoff. But I really think that Matt Campbell is, is developing a culture that's similar in a lot of ways to what we saw at Clemson in the mid-2010s when that, you know, like 2012 through 2014 period kind of, you know, it was like a building process. I, I mean, I wouldn't say that, that 2012 through 2014 Clemson was was really all over the place nationally, but they were they, they had a, they were establishing themselves as a contender in their conference, which is what Iowa State has done, even though they still have yet to win a conference title. Uh, but you know, it, it took a few years for them to, for Clemson to you know get get into the you know the discussion for a conference championship, win some big bowl games. Uh, I mean, you you think in the LSU Chick Fil A bowl was a huge game. You know, fourth and sixteen. You ask any Clemson fan about fourth and sixteen, they can tell you where they were when they watched the game. It's just one of those things. It's just one of those moments for a program. Now. Did Clemson win two national championships under Dabo because they completed a pass on fourth and 16 from Taj Boyd to DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, no, but it was the mentality. It was the mentality. And that's the same mentality we're seeing Matt Campbell develop here at Iowa State. You know, can can we develop these kids to be great juniors, great seniors, um, and continue to help the program progress? And so I think Iowa State is... Um, is really one of the best examples of a team that can benefit from these super seniors. Um, you know, they uh, they definitely still have room to grow, as we've established. But um, it's I think you know, as we as we mentioned in the in the previous episode, uh, the ceiling is the roof. The ceiling is the roof for. I don't think it's it, it's quite as funny. It doesn't apply to UN. If it applied to UNC, I think it would be funny. Um, but but with Iowa State, it's, it's the, the joke doesn't quite hit home. But but either way, really, um, you look at the Big Twelve and you look at who it's been dominated by for the last six seasons in Oklahoma. And I think if you're Iowa State, you really have to feel um, you really have to feel good. You really have to feel good um, because of the trajectory of the program. Uh, you know, they're going to have a great defense and they've returned, you know, the quarterback, a lot of the guys on the O-line, a lot of their weapons on offense. Um, it's going to be, I think, an exciting year for the Cyclones down in, in Ames, Iowa. Another team that I want to, that I want to talk about here that, that has a good chance at, um, really benefiting from these super seniors is Miami. Now, now hold on, hold on. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Oh, Miami, they win three games, they get ranked in the top ten, and then they get blown out. And you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, but, and Miami doesn't have as many super seniors as others. You know, they, they don't have as many. But the quality of these seniors really exceeds most teams' quantity. You know, like that, that kind of goes back to the original discussion we had of, do you want to be Louisiana with 96% of your production returning? Or do you want to be Illinois who went two and six, but has, what was it like 17? I think it was 17 returning super seniors. Now, obviously Derek King, their quarterback who uh, last season uh, tore his 
ACL and their bowl loss to Oklahoma State. He will be returning. Uh, and he decided to use the waiver before the game. And he, um, you know, has had a stellar career at Miami. Uh, over 7,600 yards passing, 73 passing touchdowns, 32 rushing touchdowns, 2,000 rushing yards. If he is full strength, um, I really think Miami will start to kind of gain momentum again and become more consistent. I think that's really the goal for Miami this year. Their goal should not be to win an ACC championship. That's not realistic right now. Right, right now, it's not realistic. Their goal should be to compete consistently within their conference. That should be the goal. Any developmental program in any conference should have the goal of we just need to compete consistently. We need to win our division. We need to compete for our division first. Then we need to win it. Then we need to compete in the conference championship. We don't want to go to the conference championship and blown out. What good does that do you? You, you have to be able to compete consistently across any level. You know, your division, your conference, bowl games. Bowl games are an excellent opportunity to see where you stack up to other similarly ranked programs and other conferences. If you go to a New Year's Six bowl game and you get beat by three touchdowns, either you had a really off game or the game plan from the other team is it was better than yours and you just got beat. So, you know, for Miami, uh, there's certainly... Again, with just the same as Iowa State, there's there's progress to be made. They 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 need uh, to establish you know more consistency. But uh, with De'Ara King coming back, uh, you got starting right tackle Jared Williams. He's uh, he's coming back. Um, his seventh season, seventh season, started ten games last fall, and Jared Williams, the starting right tackle, is in his seventh season of college football. Transferred from Houston, actually, with De'Ara King. Um, on defense, you got safety Bubba Bolden, who led the team in tackles with 74 forced fumbles. He had four forced fumbles in 2020. He was uh, second team all ACC. You got Zach McLeod returning for a sixth year. He's going to help at, uh, at linebacker or possibly defensive end. Depends on the depth chart. And, you know, McLeod has 165 career tackles, over 40 starts. Defensive tackle Jonathan Ford started nine games last season, had 19 tackles. He's back. I mean, Miami has some talent returning. Miami has some talent returning. And, um, you know, these guys have experience. Um, If Derek King is healthy, that's the key. If he's healthy and he stays healthy, Miami should be competing within their division and their conference. I, I I really think, you know, Miami has an opportunity this season to kind of Get back on. Get it's tough. It's tough because again, as as what always happens, they win three or four games, they get ranked like top fifteen, and then they just plummet uh, when they when they lose a few. But you know, you you look at their schedule, right? And like they open against Alabama. Okay, well that's not they're not going to win that game. I don't always expecting them to win that game. Uh, now if they come out and compete, it'll be really interesting. But I don't think the expectation should be to win. Uh, the expectation should be to compete, which is what we, we've we talked about. So the Alabama game, don't put too much talk, stock in that. Um, really, though, look at your ACC opponents. Like you got App State, Michigan State, and who who is this? Who is this fourth opponent? The Central Connecticut Blue Devils. I've got to be honest with you. I've never heard of them. 
I've I have never heard of the Central. What? And this game, okay, this game is at Miami. I gotta look up this team. Central Connecticut Blue Devils. They are oh they so they are FCS. I'm sorry, yeah FCS. They are the FCS um, D1 like the subdivision, not FBS but FCS, and they are in the Northeast Conference. Honestly, I've never heard of them. <laughs> I was looking at Miami's schedule and I was like, who is CCCU? And apparently, it's uh, Central Connecticut. Uh, but either way. Those, those games you don't need to really look at, App State, Michigan State, Central Connecticut. You really need to pay attention to how they do against UNC on the road. You need to pay attention to how they do against uh, NC State at home. Uh, they got Pitt on the road. They got Virginia Tech at home. They, they travel to do. They don't play Clemson. They don't play Clemson. Um, but they do play, you know, some of the teams in the, in the ACC that did well last year. Uh, North Carolina was eight and four overall. Uh, NC State was eight and four overall. Um, you know, Pitt, Virginia Tech were, were um, six and five and five and six respectively. Um, and again, Miami avoids Clemson, uh, but still, I think this this could be a um, a good year for the for the Canes if they're able to uh, play consistently uh, in the fall. And they certainly have the talent coming back. Um, let's pick a, let's pick a different team. Let's pick a, a, um, a Pac-12 team here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Cal. Now Cal is an interesting team because Cal had a pretty good year in 2019. You know, if you look at the Bears and, and how they performed, they were ranked for, for I think several weeks. I don't think they finished, uh, ranked in 2019, uh, off the top of my head, but if you if you look at how they did in 2019, um, you know, you know they did not because it was that's right. So so Cal started four and zero and then dropped four straight uh, because I I do remember they they came to Old Miss and actually won that game uh, 28 to 20, um, and at the time of that game they were ranked. I think they were obviously still ranked the following week, but then they dropped games to Arizona State, Oregon, Oregon State, and Utah, back to back to back to back, and they were four and four, and so the rest of the season was basically a wash. Now, they had pretty high hopes in 2020 of kind of, you know, getting over that uh, that hump and, and, and trying to be a little bit more consistent and, and string wins together, and that never really materialized because they only played four games. Cal only played four games in 2020. Um you know, they lost to uh, to Stanford in um, in pretty heartbreaking fashion. Um, they ended up beating Oregon, actually, who was the eventual Pac-12 um, champion. So that that's kind of a you know a bright spot because it was the only win. I mean, they they, they were one in three. Uh, they had how many games did they have? They had eight games scheduled. Yeah, every Pac-12 team had eight games scheduled, and four of theirs got canceled. Washington at home, Arizona State on the road, Washington State on the road, and Arizona at home. So all those games against Washington and Arizona teams, uh, both state schools for both states, uh, those games were canceled. They only got to play at UCLA, at Oregon State, at, or I'm sorry, home against Stanford, and then home against Oregon. And they only won home against Oregon 21-17. to 
Uh, they lost the Stanford game uh, 24 to, to 23. Again, it was a really close, heartbreaking loss for them. So they obviously le- there was a lot left to be desired for Cal uh, after this past season. And, um, you know, they, they get a chance at almost a redo in the fall of this year because they're returning um, 10 super seniors. And um, you got two linebackers coming back, uh, QE Ding and Cameron Good, uh, both who were all Pac-12. They have earned all Pac-12 recognition in the past. Um, so their defense should be pretty solid. Uh, they also have uh, their safety, Elijah Hicks uh, and Josh Drayden, um, both coming back. And so I think for Cal, the real questions are going to be what what's it going to look like um, on on offense. Um, and you know, obviously, there's there's still work to be done. Again, all the, the the common thread here with every team we've mentioned is that. They still have work to do. There's still areas they need to improve upon if they want to be able to at least compete in their conference, right? I mean, we talked about Iowa State. They still need to do some things to win the Big 12. We've talked about Miami. There's certainly some things they still need to do to win the ACC. We've talked about um, we talked about Illinois a little bit. And, and, you know, I'm not expecting them to compete for a Big 10 title. Uh, and now we're talking about Cal. So, again, we're, we're picking teams that are, you know, kind of in the middle tier of their respective conference. And uh, they've shown some uh, glimmers of of great play in the past, but they just haven't been able to string it together. So I'm trying to pick one team again from each conference that really I think will benefit from uh, from these super seniors. And, and Cal would be my pick from from the Pac-12. Uh, so you're probably thinking, okay, we've, we've, we've done the, uh, the ACC, with Miami, we've done the Big 12 with Iowa State, we've, we've done the, the Big 10 with Illinois, and we've done the Pac-12 with California. So who are you going to pick from the SEC, the almighty SEC? Um, I'm going to pick Old Miss. I'm going to pick Old Miss. I'm going to pick Old Miss because... The Lane Kiffin era started about as well, at least offensively, as you could possibly want it to. I mean, Matt Corral um, had his moments. He had his moments, had his rough his rough spots. But overall, the offense was, I mean, look at what they did against Alabama. You know, I mean, that game was at home for Ole Miss. But, but putting together that kind of performance against Alabama, Alabama's vaunted defense, um was really impressive. The Outback Bowl triumph at the end of the season over number seven Indiana, a team that had a lot of players missing in that game, but it's still a beating a top 10 team in a bowl game as a first year coach. Hey, man, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, first year coach at Old Miss, obviously. I know Kiffin has coached other places before. But point is, is that Old Miss is now hoping to be more competitive in the SEC West. And they have a really experienced group on both sides. You got 10 super seniors returning for Old Miss, five of which were starters in 2020, and the other five started at least two games. Um, Kiffin is going to have Dontario Drummond and Braylon Sanders at wideout that, that he's going to be able to um, 
you know, come up with, with, uh, with, with packages for Matt Corral and, and to get those guys involved. Um, now, Drummond and Sanders combined for 40 receptions and 11 touchdowns last season. So that's a big chunk of Old Miss's offensive production. And, and one of the things about Old Miss last year on offense is what, you know, made them so uh, hard to um, scheme against, at least in terms of the other SEC opponents, was they would just rack all these huge chunk plays. You know, it wasn't a little dink and dunk down the field. It was explosive plays that really um, helped Old Miss get, you know, in the end zone as often as they did. Uh, but but listen, the offense has got some guys coming back. But let's talk about their defense because, oh, Lord, their defense needs help. If you watch any Old Miss games last year, and I did because, I you know, I'm in school here, right, uh, for, for at least another month, um, their defense is, is, is rough. The defense is rough. It finished 117th nationally in points allowed. Uh, it finished 126th in yards allowed. Okay, there's 129 FBS teams. Old Miss finished 126th. They they were it was the worst. It was the worst defense in the country. It's one of the worst defenses in the country. It was awful, absolutely awful. But they do have some guys coming back. And um, most notably, I'd say, are probably um, Williams and Henry. Uh, the, the linebackers for Ole Miss, you get Sam Williams and Lakia Henry. Uh, they combined for six and a half stacks, 13 tackles for a loss, three forced fumbles, and 102 tackles last season. Uh, safety, John Haynes, he started 10 games in his first season uh, after tra- uh, transferring from a JUCO. He's coming back. Um, the secondary is going to have uh, Jalen Jones, who had 27 tackles. Um, last season, uh, and you know, again, I think in terms of where does Old Miss need to improve? The answer is defense. If the offense doesn't improve at all this fall, I mean, I don't think anybody's really going to be too disappointed. Um, if they just perform to the same level they performed in Kiffin's first year, I'd I'd be happy as an Old Miss fan. I'd be happy. Uh, it's it's just the defense, man. They're they're awful. I mean, it it's like we don't even play defense. I mean, it's really it's it's just it was atrocious last year. I mean, again, look at the rankings. They were 117th. What was it? 100 117th nationally in points allowed. 126th in yards allowed. So there's a lot of um, there, there's a lot of 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 areas that they need to improve upon on the defensive side. But again. Lane Kiffin and his offensive prowess, he's going to build a, a big-time passing game around guys like Braylon Sanders. I mean, these these are dynamic guys that can make big plays, explosive plays. It's going to be really hard for defenses to scheme against. And I think Old Miss is a team that you need to watch out for in the West. Right now, the SEC West is Alabama, and then we'll see what A&M does. A&M is, is a bit of a wild card. I haven't seen enough consistency from A&M. Uh, for me to feel like they're a legitimate threat. Now they were they were solid last year. They were solid last year. Had that one loss uh, to Alabama that kept them out of the SEC championship game. But Ole Miss played Bama better last year than A and M did. Okay, I mean they did. You know, you look at the head to head there and, and who Ole Miss has played that A and M played. You know what opponents in common they they had and. And Ole Miss played Alabama a little bit better than, than A&M did. So right now I think Ole Miss is in a great spot. 
and the the you know the the again I've talked about this several episodes. You know, being a student here, uh, fans, students, the community really are rallying behind the program. There's a lot of excitement and enthusiasm, similar to what we're seeing in Ames, Iowa, with Iowa State. Um, you know, with Matt Campbell at the helm, I think Miami is is still, you know, trying to get their footing. Uh, I think Illinois, you know, a team that was again what two and six last year, they're trying to get their footing. Cal coming off their year of one and three, they're trying to get their footing, but they all still have something in common, which is they're really going to benefit from super seniors and a lot of their returning production. And uh, I think it's going to be exciting year for college football. It's going to be a very different kind of year, but um, it still will. Um, I think it'll change the way a lot of uh, a lot of games are played, just because of the just experience that just we just have never seen before at the collegiate level. Uh, but let me know your thoughts if if you got thoughts on this. Hey, if you're listening uh, to AFR um, as a podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, this this podcast is available on like seven or eight different platforms. Uh, you can tweet at the show. You can tweet at uh, our our Twitter account, which is at After Review Show. Uh, definitely gonna be posting some content on, on Instagram here later today and, and over the weekend. Uh, or if you're watching on Facebook, leave a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are. Hey, give me your five teams, pick one from each conference. Let me know who you think will really benefit from, from super seniors in the fall of 2021. Uh, it should be an interesting discussion. Like I said, I think it will continue to evolve as spring practice continues and, and we'll see what it looks like this fall. It's going to be exciting, but Either way, I think that's been it for this edition of After Further Review. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Enjoy the weekend. I'm Jay Smith, and this has been After Further Review.